Good morning, everybody. Welcome to episode of Living Light Outdoors on the mic with you in the office. It's Sunday morning. I hope you are on your way to, or preparing anyway, to go to church this morning to find yourself in the midst of other fellow believers. Hebrews chapter 10, 25 says, Don't forsake the assembling together of the body, especially as you see the day approach. What day would that be? The day of his return. So I encourage you. Iron sharpens iron. Get in the midst of fellow believers, fire-breathing church, Holy Spirit-filled, Bible-believing, Bible-preaching, truth-preaching, house of God that worships the Lord together corporately. We all desperately need it. I'm going to share a message with you this morning I put together a while back. Um, (laughs) I kind of toyed with with the title a little bit this morning. Throw it over the other side sounds cool, doesn't it? Throw it over the other side. So in John chapter 20, we we find John's recording of Sunday morning, Easter Sunday morning, the day of Jesus' resurrection, following the the terrible Friday, the crucifixion, the silent Saturday, and now we have resurrection Sunday. Remember Mary had gone to the tomb to anoint Jesus' body in in the ritualistic measures of burial. She'd taken the spices and the oils and the things. Um, But when she gets there, she finds that the stone's been rolled away and the tomb's empty. She turns to tell, she runs to tell the disciples who run back to the tomb ahead of her to find, sure enough, tomb's empty. Mary's distraught, and, and she comes across these two angels, and, and they say to her, he whom you are looking for, he's not here. Now, I want to pick this up right here in John chapter 20 to get us where I want to go. We're not, we're not talking about Easter Sunday. We're not even going to talk about the resurrection. There's more to it than that. But so John chapter 20, verse 15 through 17, she turns and sees Jesus. Okay, now let's pick this up. Chapter 15, or I'm sorry, yeah, verse 15 of chapter 20. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you crying? For whom are you looking? Supposing that he was the gardener, she replied, sir, if you are the one who has carried him away from here, tell me where you have put him, and I will take him away. Verse 16, Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabboni, which means teacher. All he had to do was speak her name, and she recognized who he was. That's so cool, verse 16. Verse 17, Jesus said to her, Do not hold me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father and to my God and to your God. So fast forward a bit with me. We're going to jump down to verse 19, uh, and 19 through 21, and then we'll go to 26 and then 30 through 31. I'm going to kind of skip around here to finish this chapter. So John chapter 20, verse 19 says, So when it was evening, On that same day, the first day of the week, though the disciples were meeting behind barred doors for fear of the Jews, they they were afraid the same thing that happened to Jesus going to happen to them. Jesus came and stood among them. Now, now, you got to catch this. They were in a sealed room. They were in a locked room. They They had the doors barred. And it does not record that someone got up and opened the door because they heard Jesus knocking. It said he, and he showed himself to them as he appeared to them in the meeting room where they stood. And he said, peace to you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. When the disciples saw the Lord, they were filled with great joy. Verse 20 goes on to say, after he had said this, 
He showed them his hands and his side. When the disciples saw the Lord, they were filled with great joy. You understand that? He, he appears to them in the room. And then he shows them proof. This is who I am. You know, this I am Jesus. I'm the one you saw hanging on the cross. Here's, here's the evidence. Here's the wounds where they pierced me. And verse 21 says, Then Jesus said to them again, Peace to you, as the Father has sent me, I also send you as my representatives. And when he said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. Well, this is powerful. Verse 26, Eight days later, his disciples were again inside the house. Thomas was with them this time. And Jesus came through the doors uh, that, that had been barred, and he stood among them and said, peace to you. Now, John states the purpose of these writings here in these closing verses. In verse 30 through 31, he says, there are also many other signs attesting miracles that Jesus performed in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these have been written so that you may believe with a deep abiding trust that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, and the anointed the son of God that they may that they by believing and trusting and relying on him you may have life in his name so with with that to set us up i actually want to get to where i want to get to to begin with and that's in chapter 21 so we're going to go to chapter 21 we're going to start with verse 2 and go down through verse 14 so you just flip the page it's right there john chapter 21 starting with verse 2 it says simon peter and thomas who was called didymus the twin and Nathaniel from Cana of Galilee, as well as John and James and the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were all together. Verse 3, Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said, uh, and we are coming with you. So they went out and got into the boat, and they and that night, and they caught nothing. They fished all night. So as morning was breaking, verse 4, as morning was breaking, Jesus came, and he stood on the beach. However, the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Now, some of the recordings in this talk about they were only about 100 yards offshore. So they weren't very far out in the sea. They were, they were about 100 yards out. But at 100 yards, you know, the guy standing on the shore, they didn't know who he was. So Jesus said to them, Children, do you have any fish to eat along with your bread? And they said, No. And he said to them, Cast the net on the right-hand side of the boat, the starboard, and you will find some. So they cast the net, and then they were not able to haul it in because of the great catch of fish. Verse 7, Then that disciple John, remember John, whom Jesus loved, esteemed, and he said to Peter, It is the Lord. So when Simon heard it was the Lord, he put on his outer tunic, for he was stripped for work, and he threw himself into the sea, and he swam ashore. But the other disciples came in the small boat, for they were not far from shore, only about a hundred yards away, dragging the full net of fish. Verse 9 goes on to say, So when they got out on the beach, they saw a charcoal fire set up and fish on it cooking and bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish which you have just caught. So Simon went aboard and hauled the net to the land full of large fish, about 153 of them, and although there were so many, the net was not even torn. So they weren't used to catching that many fish. Verse 12 says, Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared to ask him, Who are you? For they knew without any doubt that it was the Lord. Verse 13, Jesus came and took the bread and he gave it to them. And likewise the fish, 
This was now the third time that Jesus appeared to the disciples after he had risen from the dead. So here's what I want to take away from this. A lot's happened in the hearts and minds of these who have just spent the better part of three years nearly living together with this man called Jesus. They've seen all kinds of things. They've seen the demonic cast out of a man in the tombs. They've seen the, 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 the wine turned into water. They've seen all of these miraculous, crazy things and ear put back on a soldier who Peter chopped off while they come to arrest Jesus. Uh, the blind eyes that were opened, the lepers that were cleansed. There, there's so many, the lame walk. The, I mean, it was, it's crazy, right? I mean, they've seen tremendous miracles while they spent the time with Jesus. And, that, and then you come even to the point where Peter even denied him. Right? I mean, Peter turned his back on whom he had just seen all this stuff happen with. And then they they watched a brutal, torturous death of their master. The, the one who they, their friend, they had just spent three years walking with. Running away, they hid. And then to find the tomb was that he was buried in empty that Sunday morning. Now he's appeared to them. He spoke to them. Disappeared for a time only to appear again in their midst. I mean, there's so many things going on here. Now we see after the second time, Jesus apparently had vanished from their midst again. But Peter says, that's it. I'm going fishing. You ever find yourself in that place? You ever find yourself in that place where, man, life just gets you bogged down. You don't know where else to turn. You throw your hands in the air. That's it. I'm going fishing. I'm going back. You understand what Peter's saying here? I'm going back to who I was before. I'm going back to my old life. It was simple. It was. It might not have been easy, but at least I knew it. At least I knew where I was and who I was. I'm. I'm just. I'm done. I'm done with this mess. I'm going back. I'm going back to who I used to be. I'm going fishing because that's what he was. He was a fisherman. Jesus called him away from fishing. So Peter and his compadres simply decide to return to their old ways of doing things. Now I want you to understand this. Sometimes this is exactly where we find ourselves. We've seen the miraculous. Jesus even talks about that, that, man, you've done all these great things, but you've left your first love. It's spoken to us in, in Revelation chapter 2, the church, this letter to the church of Ephesus. You've lost your first love. So, so you, you've seen these things. It's revolutionized your life. But, but now something's come up that's kind of got in your way. It's muddied up the water a little bit. And now you're doubting. Now you're questioning. Now you're having to fight for things. Now you're scared maybe. Uh, you don't know where to turn. So what do we do? We go back to our old way of living. It, it's kind of like that scripture that says a dog returns to his vomit. If we don't know where else to go, we just go back. We go back to what we knew before. You understand that that these guys have been up fishing all night. They've caught nothing. I've done that a few times. Sometimes fishing is just therapy. You just go out there and fish. You know, that, that's, why they, that's why it's not called catching. It's called fishing. There's an attempt going on. It, there's not no guarantees, right? It's kind of like why they call it hunting and not killing when you go hunting. But they'd fished all night and they'd caught nothing. As morning arrives, here's this guy standing on the shore and he hollers to them. They don't even know who he is. They can't even tell who he is. He's just some dude walked up on the beach and he hollers, have you caught any fish? Now, people ask you that all the time when you're a hunter or you're a fisherman, especially when you're hunting and when they ask you, if they did you catch anything? Um, no, didn't catch anything. <laughs> but, but So you understand the, the premise here. 
this guy hollers out, did you, did you catch anything? And likely a little dejected. These, these guys are probably a little worn out. They, they don't really know where they're at. They don't really even know what they're doing. They're just doing what, what came natural. They returned to who they used to be. And now they're a little dejected and, and maybe they're a little grumpy. They've been up all night fishing and they got nothing to show for it. They just stink from, from fishing in the water. This guy on the shore says, well, just let down your nets on the other side of the boat. Now, for me, I'm thinking, and you got to run with me on this. You gotta, I, I like to visualize things. The boat that they're in is likely not much larger than a good-sized John boat. It may be one of those wide-beam John boats that's got the six- or eight-foot beam on it, you know, that won't tip over so easy. I mean, I grew up in a, I think it had a three-foot beam, 14-foot long John boat. I fished like crazy out of that thing. You put a couple of guys in there, you're pretty safe. Uh, you More than that, you're, you're getting a little sketchy. But this boat obviously was, was bigger than, than what I was used to. But yet it's still, we're not talking about a ship here. We're not talking about a shrimp boat. We're, we're not talking about a great big old four-engine whatever. We're talking about a small boat that these guys were in fishing. Okay? Not a very big boat. They're only about 100 yards off the shore. And they got to row it. They don't, they ain't no motors on it, right? So it's not this big boat. It's, it's relatively small. Now you think about that. If it's, let's just say it's eight feet wide. Now that's the same width as a semi-trailer truck running down the highway eight feet wide so you've got a boat that's eight feet wide you've been fishing over here all night long there you ain't caught no fish do you really think that eight feet away there's going to be fish if there wasn't fish eight feet away over here ah boy that would that would i would question that so in my mind i would have to believe that if there were no fish on the left side there ain't no fish six to eight feet over on the right side either right I mean, y'all, you're following me here, right? But according to Scripture, they tried it anyways. They didn't even question. What do you got to lose, right? We've been fishing all night over here. What's it going to do? Just throw the nets one more time on the other side. Throw them over on the right side. What's one more cast going to cost you? <laughs> I've been there, done that. Storms rolling in, lightning's flashing. But just one more cast, just just one more cast. I might there, there's a fish got to be right there. I just one more cast. Now we see the result. But what is more important is the fact that they now recognize the reason for the result. It really didn't have anything to do with the fact that they flipped their net eight feet over onto the right side. It had the fact that Jesus said, "Put down your nets on the right side of the boat." I can take that a lot of different directions. Oftentimes in life, we're doing a lot of things. Maybe we're doing them well, but we're not doing them right. Notice that the scripture says, let down your nets on the right side of the boat. Not the other side, like I titled this, but the right side. There's oftentimes we might go for the other side, but we don't really think about the fact that we've been fishing all night on the wrong side not the right side. You ever found yourself in that place where all all through life you've been doing stuff, good stuff, there's been some results even, but you've not ever been doing anything right, right spiritually, right in the right place, in the right frame of mind, in the right frame of heart? So that's what Jesus was telling them. Put that down on the right side. And, and we see the result. Verse 6, he said to them, cast the net 
on the right-hand side of the boat, the starboard side, and you will find some. Not not try it. Don't just toss it out there and see what happens. He confirmed, let it down on the right side, and you will find some fish. And when they were not able to haul it in because of the great catch of fish. Miraculous things. Verse 7 says, then, then the disciple John, whom Jesus loved and esteemed, said to Peter, it is the Lord. So when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put out on his outer tunic, for he was stripped for work, and he threw himself, in, I love that, he threw himself into the sea. I don't think I don't think Peter was really good with water. Remember, he tried that walking on the water that night with Jesus, and he sunk, had to have Jesus carry him back to the boat. And here he goes, he throws himself, he flung himself into the sea, and he swam ashore. They recognized the master. Verse 10, Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish which you've caught. So when Peter went aboard and he hauled the net into the land full of fish, there was 153 of them. And although there were so many fish, the net was not torn. Obviously, they were not used to catching that many fish, not at one time. And Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples even dared to ask him who he was because they knew without a doubt that it was the Lord. Listen, some of us have been doing things the same way for a long time, and we've seen no results. I think the, the, the description or the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different outcome. It's not going to happen. That's, that's, that's insane to think that doing the same thing over and over is going to bring a different result. Listen, some of us have been doing this, though, for a long time. We've caught no fish we're tired, we're weary, we're fatigued, and we're simply out of options. Maybe we even stink a little. I mean, we've thrown every lure that we've got in the tackle box. We've used every kind of bait we can even think of. I can, I can tell you there were times I lived in Colorado for a while, trout or finicky fish. If, you, if you're a, a fisherman for trout, you understand what I'm saying. A lot of guys fly fish for trout. I never got the hang of that. I couldn't keep from bull whipping my fly off the end of the line. Never could figure out this fly fishing business. But there were often times, because water out there was clear, right? In that clear water, I could see this big old trout laying there. And I would throw everything I had in the box at it. Nothing. Wouldn't even look at anything I threw out there. I mean, that, that, there's something happening here. All of this, we throw everything we have, we've used every kind of bait we can think of, and no results. And then we hear some dude hollering at us from shore. Just let down your nets on the right side. Just cast on the right side. It doesn't make any physical sense to us. Matter of fact, in a lot of places, I think when Jesus has asked us to do something like that, we've been a little irritated, we've been a little put out, and we didn't even do it. Because we were just too messed up in our minds. Let down your net on the right side. He, he didn't say the other side. He, he didn't say that side, this side. He didn't say try that. He, he simply said, let down your nets on the right side and you will find some. If you do things the right way, you will have a result. Now listen, I, I understand that not all the times that I go fishing do I catch fish. Sometimes that's not what it's about. Sometimes it's about the obedience of doing what we're told that brings us a sense of satisfaction, of knowing that we've done all that we can do according to his way, his word. He did say, you will find some. So there was a guarantee in what he offered them. There's a guarantee in what he offers us too. It's security and eternity. 
When we do things according to his word, when we're obedient to his word, when we follow his instructions in life, there is a reward. We will find that place with him in heaven when we're obedient, when we follow him, when we sacrifice and surrender everything of our will to follow his will. He said, let down your net on the right side and you will find what you're looking for. I'm telling you today that when you cast yourself to the right side, his way, his will, his word, you will find eternity. You will find results. You will find what you're looking for. The right side is the side he points out. It's the door he opens. It's the provision that he leaves no doubt that it's him, that it's Jesus. Are you ready to stop doing things your way and let down your net on the right side, which is his way? Man, what a powerful thought. Simple message, simple scripture, but such a powerful end result. When we follow him according to his plan, his will, not my will, See, the Bible tells us that we're to pick up our cross daily and follow him. In our mind, it's kind of like fishing. Well, we're just going to pick up our gear. We're going to go fishing. We're going to do our thing. We're going to do it the way we know how. But see, that's not what that scripture really means. What, what it references is sacrifice and surrender. For us to pick up our cross daily. That cross only stood for one thing, <clears throat> excuse me, scripturally. That cross stood for crucifixion. That that cross you have hanging around your neck on the little chain. That cross that's on the wall of your house. That cross that we say resembles Christianity. That's really not what it resembles. It resembles crucifixion. It resembles dying to me so that I might live for him. It means giving up my way of life, my will, my wants, my desires, to follow his way, his will, his wants, and his desires. So that word will simply is that. It's choice. It's God's will is God's choice, his desire for us in our life. Our will obviously means that it's our choice, our desires for our life. And we're not going to get the same results. We can go fish all night long. We can do all the right things. We can have all the right gear. We We can do everything correctly and not have any results until we cast our net on the right side, until we do it according to his plan, until we follow his instructions. And when we do, he simply says, you will find some answers. You will find what you're looking for when you do it my way. Now, it might come in my, in my time. It might not come in the time that we want, but it will come. He promises it. And his promises are yes and amen. They're never going to change, and they're never going away. God loves us so much that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. John 3, 16, one of the most quoted verses of all time. He loves us so much that he sacrificed his own son for whosoever believes. That word believes, I talk about this all the time, that word believes is plural in every passage of scripture you'll ever see, every version you ever look at in John 3.16. That word believes is plural. It doesn't even exist in the Hebrew and Greek language, the word believes. It's not in there. But what you'll find if you search out that piece of scripture right there where that word believes, you'll find process word. 
an ongoing event. So the Bible really says that whosoever continues to pursue, continues to believe, continue to know who God is, continues to follow him, that ongoing event, it's not a one and done, it's an ongoing thing. They shall have eternal life. That, that's all he's looking for from us, for us to follow his instructions. Throw your nets out on the other side. The right side is what he said. Cast your net on the right side, and you will find what you're looking for. Amen. God bless you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Thank you for following our podcast. Uh, Ron and I love you. We're praying for you. We're praying that the Holy Spirit overtakes you and leads you down the path that God wants you to go on according to his will, not our own. Look for him. Seek him. Get get in his word. The, the truth will set you free, and the truth is God's word. Follow it. Speak his word to others. Find yourself in a place where you're following him to the best of your ability and, and see that you don't find results, the, what you're looking for. Cast your net on the right side and you will find what you're after. Amen. God bless you. We love you. We thank you for your support. We thank you for your prayers. I pray that you've got time to get yourself together and find yourself in the house of God shortly. Amen. We'll see you there soon. God bless you. We love you. We'll talk to you again real soon.